And I'm Allie. Welcome back to the Entrepreneurs Podcast, a podcast for and by female entrepreneurs, hosted by the Entrepreneurs Network, the most acclaimed female entrepreneur network in the world. Each week, we bring you stories of female entrepreneurs around the world as we kickstart our own entrepreneurial journeys together. Today, we are delighted to have on Jessica Young, the founder and CEO of Bubble Inc., the digitally native healthy food marketplace based in New York City. Jessica cares deeply about community and sustainable food systems and is continually exploring the nexus between technology, lifestyle, wellness, and food industries. Join us as we talk with Jessica about learning her preferred work environment, getting inspiration for creativity, making commerce engaging, and building your network, among other things. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. We are so excited to have you today, Jessica. Yeah, thanks for having me. Amazing. So just to get started, we'd love to ask our guests, what is something that you are excited about when you wake up in the morning? Great question. Um, I always hop out of bed really excited for whatever project we have in for the day. Um, I'm lucky enough to be working in my my passion space. Um, So, uh, you know, health food and food in general is really exciting to be a part of. So Um, I, you know, really get ignited by the community behind bubble. A lot of the brands that are hosted on our platform, you know, if we're launching a new vertical or, um, you know, a whole host of kind of new brands, uh, we're in the middle of launching a new backend platform where brands can self-serve and onboard at scale, um, into bubble, which is exciting. Um, so particularly this week, um, you know, I've been jumping out of bed, um, looking at lots of alerts and, um, you know, things around getting that out the door. Yeah, for sure. And for our audience who don't know Bubble or use super well, could you give us a short little intro of what Bubble is, how you founded it, where the idea came from? Yeah, Bubble is a marketplace for the very best health foods where um, they can list and sell products directly to consumers across the country. So On the brand side, it's a bit more convenient than, um, you know, running their own Shopify store, competing against a ton of products, let's say on Amazon, kind of like any tailored marketplace. It's very specific to our industry. So if you're a beauty consumer, you probably love to shop at Sephora. If you're a health food consumer, your go-to would be Bubble. We have a really strict set of standards around what can sell on the product side. So we actually don't support products that contain refined sugars, dyes, gums, preservatives. So when we say health food, it's really health food. Um, you know, a lot of um, retailers out there say that they sell health food, but you know, just because it's organic cane sugar or organic preservatives, um, we don't think that that necessarily means it belongs in our food system. Um, And then on on the customer side, right, we do all the work for you. We taste test everything that comes through the door and then it's filtered by lifestyle, whether you're keto or paleo. I mean, really, um, there's a paleo vegan diet that's now identifying as pegan. So, uh, but yes, however you live your life, you can filter products by that, um, which is exciting. Yeah. And it's available uh, in the continental US only right now. Uh, So I'm actually based in Shanghai right now. Uh, Waylon's in New Jersey, you're in New York, and I think we all obviously know that we're going through an incredible pandemic, which is just unprecedented ramifications on health sites, psychological, humanitarian. One thing I think everyone has been focusing on is health, 
no matter if you had COVID or you had another health thing that has been able to impact your life, everyone has been focusing and on their health in one way or another because it's in the front page of every news source. So I'm curious to hear how COVID, maybe people's more focus towards health, has been able to maybe cause people to be a little more cautious, maybe about like their snacking and things like that during the pandemic, people more cautious about like being outside, focusing on and bettering their wellness, things like that. How have you noticed any changes in consumers and how do you hope people continue to change and become uh, more cautious about their health? Yeah, in terms of, you know, the consumer today, I think the pandemic had more of an impact actually on the shift to online groceries. So purchasing food online historically hasn't been the biggest, um, you know, you know, channel for, for people to access food. Um, so I would say we saw that shift um, right away. So people, um, you know, shifting towards, uh, yeah, again, shopping online. The, we saw growth rates in the entire industry that were kind of, you know, 3x what they were supposed to be for the year and accelerated about five years in terms of like overall compound annual growth within this year. So um, huge shift on that side, I would say separately for the, um, you know, average consumer today in terms of perception of health and their choice for what they're buying. Um, I think that has more to do with the educated consumer today, right? Knowing more about where their food comes from, caring about it, Instagramming like the cool water that they have today or cool water bottle. That's more yes. of, <laughs> of luxury and style today than necessarily a super expensive purse that may maybe in the nineties was that sort of sign of, um, wealth today, health is wealth. And so we definitely see that showing that off being a healthy person, both mentally and physically, um, is much more of a priority. And we definitely play into that. Yeah, for sure. I love that so much. And I think you're definitely right. I feel like people are always posting like what they're eating for breakfast, their avocado toast or whatever they're having. I would love to dive more into like your story and how you got in from culinary school, if I'm right, all the way to creating bubble. It's been a journey. Yes. I, you know, entered, I mean, way back, I entered culinary school taking a semester off in college because I loved food and needed a bit of a break and I wanted to learn something. Um, and so went to cooking school, moved in with my friend who was at NYU in New York City program at the time and uh, attended cooking school. And then really I was like, there, there was no turning back. I completely fell in love with food and the food scene. So um, from there bridged into working at fine dining restaurants. I did some private chefing here and there to make ends meet. You know, you don't make the most per hour, even at the most luxurious, like top end Michelin rated restaurant in um, the city. So, you know, had to make ends meet doing some fun projects on the side, which I really liked. And through that, I actually personally was just into eating well and into funky ingredients at the time, you know, like chia seed and flaxseed were kind of alternative things to be using in um, high-end cuisine. And so in my private chef work is sort of where I bridged the like health and wellness and got, I got to experiment there because I was running the menu and working directly with a client versus under, you know, a head chef at a fine dining establishment. Uh, and then from there, um, I sort of was looking at a fork in the road. Okay, do I really lean in and do the chef thing and 
in which, you know, the kind of natural next step is to go to Europe, do the kind of Michelin circuit in Europe, or do I, what I saw happening in New York, there was a lot with startup scene and food and the meal kits were just starting to pop up. Um, or do I kind of see what I thought would be a future of food um, and take a very much <laughs> road less traveled to the left? So I took a chance and joined an early um, fast casual food concept, which you know, when you're working in food, you, when you go to fast casual, it's like, oh, like what is Jess doing? Uh, you know, it's not fancy food, it's fast casual, but that concept ended up taking off. And so I was on the ground level and I got to work with that team, um, which then led me to opportunities through some investors there who were investing in a new meal kit concept, jumped over there to lead operations because I knew how to run a kitchen. And at the time, you know, if you go to start like a direct to consumer food concept today, there's a pretty solid hiring pool, you know, ex Blue Apron people, ex HelloFresh, you know, whatever. At the time there was none of that. So my background kind of led me to these opportunities because it was just so new at the time. So jumped in with that meal kit, which was very much health focused. It was a different, you know, meal every week. And then it would um, kind of change iterations. So you would tell the company I'm, you know, gluten-free or I'm vegetarian. So it would be the same sort of pasta dish that would go out. But if you were gluten-free, you get rice noodles or something like that. So small iterations on that every ah. week. Yeah. And so, um, unfortunately that startup ended up failing. So I learned a lot about you know, what not to do. I learned the importance of customer growth early on with a startup. Um, you know, you can have the best idea ever, but if you don't know how to get customers, you know, it'll just sit there. And so, um, uh, and I would say also through that time, I really started to professionally network for the first time. So kind of learning the behind the scenes of it really is to a degree kind of who, you know, um, that'll set different opportunities in front of you apart from others. And so, I really started to build my professional network for the first time. And then through that, luckily, I was introduced to someone who was ex-HelloFresh and, you know, asking for recommendations and things in my career at that company. That person said, you know, hey, you should actually talk to this woman. Um, she's starting a company in Frozen. And I think there's a lot of opportunity because at HelloFresh, the number one cancellation rate was usability. People just weren't using the product enough. And so... You should go talk to this woman. She wants to make a play in Frozen and she needs a you. And I'm like, what is a me? And he's like, someone who understands food and can help with that, you know, jack of all trades, any like early stage startup, you're wearing like five hats, any, any person on that team. And then someone who actually can run the operations, like get the stuff out the door, ship it, like all this stuff that you just spent time doing and learning. So I was like, okay, let me check this out. Um, I was checking out a few opportunities, but this one really spoke to me and I love the direction of the company. And then um, that is now the company of what is Daily Harvest today. So I became the first employee of Daily Harvest, head of That's product so cool. and, um, and then kind of grew the company from the ground wow. up with Rachel. Yeah. And then from there started Bubble. So a bit long-winded and windy. I think like that any, is amazing. any early career, <laughs> no. like, where am I going with this? I'm just kind of it's following great. what I love and maybe it'll lead me somewhere, but um, yeah, it worked out. I don't know that I would recommend it to anybody else, but um, it worked for me. Yeah. I think that's actually amazing because sometimes we hear this narrative of people 
dropping out of college, becoming an entrepreneur right away. They know exactly what they're doing and there's no chance for them to experiment or be part of like another organization in the realm before actually trying something out. But what I really appreciate about your story is that you actually were, was in the industry and you got to learn from people different similar companies before you started your own yeah so I would love to hear about your experience of it how you think actually working sometimes in corporates can actually help you grow as an entrepreneur to start your own journey um so I I've never worked for a corporate company corporate corporate um I've always you know been very ground level and then got the company to a stage where it's a bit more corporate um, which I guess is my now sweet spot. Um, although with bubble, I'm in it for the long haul. Um, so, you know, well, I'm sure we'll get there at some point, but you know, I think there, yeah, definitely something to be said for, even if you know what you want to do, drop out and do it kind of like Facebook style. That's great, but that's super rare. I think if you want to hedge your bets a little bit, um, and let's say, you know, you want to start Facebook at some point in the future, go work at Facebook, Right. Um, that kind of path is super risky. So that's exactly the path I took, which was at some point in the future, I didn't know, I, I necessarily know I wanted to do my own thing and be a founder. Um, so there's, there's a lot of work there. You never actually clock out. So there's a lot to think about on the lifestyle side of starting your own business. Um, but I did know that I wanted to make an impact and be part of like early stage companies and kind of do things that hadn't been done before. And so getting in with early stage companies, yes, it's highly risky, but in your you know early 20s, that's the time to do it. You don't have as much responsibility. You could jump around. If a company fails, you're you're more you know nimble to kind of jump to the next thing. Um, and that's really kind of I think what it's about is trying a lot, you know, on early. Um, you know, because again, what you read isn't necessarily what you know, happens behind the scenes. It's not always super glamorous. And so, um, you know, learning about who you want to work with, the types of people, the kind of work life balance that you want um, really does play into it all at the, you know, the end of the day, like the bigger picture. Shifting gears slightly, I would love to learn more about your favorite products on Bubble and kind of what you're excited about for the future of Bubble. Oh, I always get this question. I'm literally pulling up our like new arrival section right now. So to be, you know, kind of back to our original, um, you know, what gets me out of bed in the morning question. Uh, we are in the middle of rehauling the entire bubble platform. So the bubble you see today is very much what we went out the door with. And it's a two-sided marketplace, right? We're building a platform for brands to get on, sell direct to consumers, very much like an Airbnb or an Etsy. Um, Bubble is, is a marketplace. And so, you know, you're kind of running two businesses at the same time, mashed into one, and they have to serve each other, right? Um, and so the brand-facing side of what we're working on, we're rolling out uh, a whole custom platform that we've been working on the past five or six months or so. Um, and that is going live as we speak. So there's a lot to be done there. Um, and we're going to actually be like quadrupling our product and brand inventory um, from this point till, toward the end of the year. So we're making the biggest move to date that we have since launching um, in terms of our brands and offering. 
and what will be sold. So definitely stay tuned there. Um, and then on the customer facing side, we really haven't touched much. So in terms of how you find product, right? You land on Bubble and you're like, great, there's a bunch of cool products. Where do I go now? Um, you do know that everything is vetted to be clean label. It's vetted to, you know, be well sourced, you know, all those kinds of things. But then from there, you know, when there's such a big inventory, discovery is a major element of what we're looking to solve next. So we're investing a lot on that front. So the team is in the process of shifting gears in this next month to focus on the front end of, you know, improving our discovery, um, helping customers at scale find what they're looking and then come back. You know, if you find things that you like, what is that journey like when you come back? How do I find more of what I liked or not more of what I didn't like necessarily. And then how do I find the new, new, right? Because that's what we're sort of known for is hosting a platform for the newest and best of the food world. So uh, we really want to play into that. So if we know that you like, let's say truffle hot sauce, you're most likely also going to like our Szechuan chili crisp oil. And so how do we get that product in front of you? Um, so you can try that as well. That's fantastic. I love how you're able to find new products all the time because it feels like there's so many products already out for food especially but you continue to innovate so where do you get this new inspiration for creativity and where do you think as an entrepreneur especially in the space of food where it's been happening for a while you can continue to look for new ideas and find like a new edge and especially with the realm of having it fun for young people who care about what they eat who know it's a social aspect as well where do you find inspiration for things like this yeah, our inspiration, I mean, we're constantly inspired by the foods and products, right? We just see such amazing things come down the pipeline and we want people to taste them. We're like, okay, we know it's great. We're bubble, right? We get this first, it's in our office, we know about it. So our big task is how do we get the rest of America to try these products, right? And build a platform that's big enough to reach customers, but also like speaks to those customers, right? Because that's the challenge. These smaller brands can't do it on their own. Um, so they need a platform that is doing that for them. Um, so to really solve that and do it well, um, constantly is inspiring me to do a better job. And then also thinking about commerce in general, it's kind of boring, right? You get to a homepage, there's a ton of filters, there's products. It's like not the most fun thing. So we have some really exciting features coming down the pipeline that are just actually rethinking commerce in general um, that you won't see anywhere else other than bubble to make that experience really unique. Yeah, for sure. So what challenges have you faced in kind of like making these unique experiences for your customers or what, what challenges have you faced on this journey of creating bubble? Oh yeah. Tons. I mean, like any new company, right? No one knows who you are. You have to do a ton of education, um, you have to set yourself apart from maybe some other players that are doing something kind of similar to yourself, but you know that you're totally different and you need to like build that thing. I would say there's, you know, definitely that kind of heavy lifting that saying where, you know, a plane uses, you know, 60% of its fuel, just taking off is totally true within startups. We find that to be true for sure. So we feel like we're still in that liftoff phase where we're burning a lot of our jet fuel to like get off the ground and educate, set the tone, get our systems internally right. And at the same time, be a live company. As fast as I possibly could, I got the company to market. I really believe in an iterative process. 
and getting something out sooner than later so you can build and improve on that, not necessarily building what you think is going to work, investing a ton, and then kind of learning down the road. That's not what people want. Oh man, we just blew our huge, like a huge budget on XYZ. And like, that's not correct. So kind of building and investing in a small way until you hit that, um, you know, cadence where, okay, this, this is what we should be doing. Let's now invest in what we see working in the real world. <laughs> Absolutely. Within the idea in mind of business school or sometimes university, although there's lots of opportunities for entrepreneurship and to breed new ideas, sometimes, especially in business classes, they give you this really clean cut. This is the way businesses are. These are the problems they have. And this is what you do. What do you think is one of the best real world lessons that you've learned that you didn't learn in school or something that wasn't taught to you formally, you kind of picked up on your own? Um, yeah, kind of what I just said, maybe, you know, fulfills that answer, you know, being iterative, getting something like out the door as soon as possible um, so you can improve. Um, we honestly, we even see that with brands on Bubble. You know, they're like, oh, you know, we, we really want to sell in bubble. We can't just yet because our packaging isn't perfect, but they'll send us samples of what we think is like great packaging. The product inside is amazing, but they don't feel like it's ready. And then we'll wait six more months or a year. The product kind of will come back and resubmit. And the product is basically the same on the inside. The packaging is marginally better. Maybe it's a bit nicer. But in that six month that they just burned, they could have had that product selling. They could have had real-time feedback. And what we'll often see is that the packaging that they waited six months on, they'll end up actually redoing in the subsequent six months because they got feedback on that. And so it's really interesting to see that journey. So yeah, I definitely recommend just getting something out. Even if you don't think it's totally perfect, kind of biting the bullet and knowing you're going to learn so much, um, again, from that kind of real world example. Um, I would also say things that aren't learned in the classroom are people, connections, community, networking. Um, I would not be where I am today without a very, very solid network that I had to learn how to build. There's, there's actually a really great book called Your Network is Your Net Worth. Highly recommend that <laughs> uh, as a read. And it's, I mean, the title says it all. Um, but, you know, kind of looking at my career again, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. And that's not something that's taught in a classroom. That's not something that may actually come natural to a lot of people. Definitely wasn't for me. So learning that as a life skill and business skill can't recommend enough. Yeah, for sure. I think also another skill that we've kind of had to learn for the podcast was like social media and kind of keeping up with the trends. And I imagine for mm -hmm. Bubble being a marketplace for like the top newest things in the food market, how do you manage kind of keeping up with these trends? But also, I know you guys are active on TikTok now, on Instagram, like how do you keep up <laughs> with all of these social media trends? Yeah, I mean, we on the back end learned to befriend some specific people within Instagram and TikTok and Facebook, which is great. We actually had a bunch of comments on our TikTok, like, how is this account verified? They have like a hundred followers and you know, all this stuff. And it's like, well, we know some people there, A, so they verified us to like help us rank faster. <laughs> like, you know, we're going to start advertising. You kind of have to like be verified to advertise like as a business, there's like all this stuff, but we're learning as well. TikTok's a totally new channel and it's also new within business and advertising. I mean, TikTok didn't even have an ad platform until relatively recently. So it was really, you know, they were building that kind of social side 
um, which you kind of have to do, right? Who's going to advertise to a small audience as a media player. And so we're learning it as they're like launching those features, right? And they're doing it for the first time. So there's definitely always a lot to keep up with when a new platform launches. There's one that we're trialing called Pop Shop Live, which is kind of playing off of the social shopping kind of commerce play, you know, making the argument that they're going to launch platforms where people want to shop, right? When you tune into QVC on the television, you're there to buy stuff. And so the argument is, hey, we're going to build a platform just to shop. And so we're, we're experimenting with those as well, because again, our job is to see sales at the end of the day, come through for these amazing brands and build a platform where the consumer is looking for more of these things. So there's kind of like that macro look of, of keeping up. And then at a smaller level, our team is very tapped in. I mean, this is our job. We're super passionate about it. We're always like talking to other experts in the industry. Um, so we have a Slack channel internally. Um, we have multiple, whether it's Love hashtag, Slack. yeah, whether it's our hashtag meet on bubble, where we come across amazing brands that ends up in that Slack channel um, for like future reach out. Uh, we have a wait list of currently like over 3000 brands that we can't accommodate currently. So that's just piling up. But again, we, you know, we're fixing that by rolling out this new platform, but anyway, um, so yeah, whether it's need on bubble to like random industry trends, like we have an industry channel. So we're always keeping track of what's going on in our respective industry. Um, yeah, just having that kind of team banter, um, you know, again, we're those boots on the ground. So we're always sharing information and keeping up um, as much as we can. That is amazing. I'd love to actually just circle back to the conversation we were having earlier about how food has now become like something of wealth, health is wealth. So with that in mind, obviously, there is different types of diversity that we think about when we think about you know, what consumer diversity looks like in terms of race, sexual orientation, or socioeconomic background. So in terms of socioeconomic background, it seems right now that unfortunately healthy food or organic vegetables, fresh produce seems to be more expensive. Where we see the obesity epidemic in the United States and some other countries now, of course, it's cheaper to have McDonald's, it's cheaper to have KFC and so on and so forth. So how does Bubble approach this issue? What is your approach to diversity and socioeconomics? And what do you think the future is to promote healthy eating, not just for those who can have a larger disposable income, but for those across the financial spectrum? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say also on the, the brand side, which is where we've done the most work to date, we kind of take the same approach for diversity in hiring at Bubble with diversity of brands. So we make a conscious effort to look at whether it's a job, like a role that's open at Bubble, considering everyone, like have we, um, you know, in at least interviewed, starting with like the top level, right? Making sure that even with our interview process in the same way that we're accepting brands on Bubble, um, let's say we're like building out our, you know, bread section. Have we looked for bread across the spectrum with who's making that bread and not just the cool brands we've heard about who are maybe overcapitalized or have access to different capital? You know, have we looked at someone who's making bread in their local, you know, kitchen that they have access to and they're selling it at a local level, which again is our sweet spot. Um, and then giving them access to a platform like Bubble where they can ship to people across the country, expand their sales, 
bring that back into their community, which we're very, very passionate about. You know, again, hiring at Bubble, right? How do you expect to have a diverse work environment with people who are hired and accepting those roles if you're not at the interview level and the job circulation level tapping into those diverse communities? Again, with like, we have some upcoming roles for like our engineering team. We better be interviewing women, right, for those roles. If we're like, hey, we want a diverse engineering team and we'd love to see like more women engineers at Bubble, you know, it, it starts there. It starts with like the top, like where are you starting from? Um, so we kind of, we take that approach. And then on the consumer side with bridging access, Bubble set up in a unique way where we have these micro brands, everything from micro, small, medium. We have some enterprise level brands coming down the pipeline who make an impact in their respective communities with who's making the product, who's taking a paycheck home from that product, which is why we kind of think about that. And then on the flip side, yes, how do we get these clean label products, you know, again, products that should be filling people's pantries, um, you know, in, into more pantries. So we have a few things that we're plugged into. One thing we do is we receive a ton of samples through Bubble and we also, you know, get gifted a lot of, of products. So anything that's either not accepted is, you know, relatively healthy, or we just have excess supply of brands sending us, even if they're accepted on Bubble. We work with some local um, New York agencies to distribute those products through their system. So some after-school kids programs, all the way to some food pantries where it's shoppable, but everything is kind of complimentary. And then on the flip side, we're actually on the register to get accepted as a retailer in the food space um, for food stamps and SNAP. And so that's something that's very, very new. Only a few online retailers are part of that program and it's the big players. It's, you know, the Amazons and Walmarts of the world. And so for Bubble to be accepted with that, I think is part of the conversation to start that direct line. It's not like we have to open a store in an area for someone to access product. We ship. And so that takes like a lot of the heavy lifting of, okay, bridging access out of the picture, but then it's a money thing, right? Um, and we also... We can't necessarily subsidize the cost of the product. These are small brands that are just getting started themselves. They don't have huge supply chains where they've gotten their cost of almonds down to an efficient level. You know, and again, kind of making the comparison to like the Walmarts of the world. They've been around a long time. They have huge supply chains, um, lots of even government subsidies. The types of ingredients they're using are subsidized to even make that product under a dollar. The types of products on Bubble are not that. They're coming from totally different supply chains. And so the way we feel like we can kind of bridge that is through um, the purchase and subsidizing the purchase because the brand needs to take home some type of payment. Um, but we'd love, you know, some help with people accessing the payment side. And so we're on, you know, we're actively um, on the register to get accepted for and have like our applications in. It's a very active conversation um, as a retailer to accept, um, you know, SNAP, EBT, food stamps, which is a, a pretty massive project, uh, but something we're working on. Amazing. That's like fantastic. Before we start to wrap up, I'd love to just ask you, what is your favorite snack that you have on Bumble right now? What is the must order snack on Bubble? Oh my gosh, that's like picking a favorite child, right? Like, <laughs> I don't know, I can answer that. No, I have so many. Um, I actually just yeah. unboxed this morning. Um, we have a really great, in terms of like give back as well. Um, yeah. Oatmeal, but it has like red quinoa and like really interesting. Oh my gosh. Black, yeah. sort of like everything you want to put on your oatmeal or smoothie bowl in one pack. <laughs> in one thing. The, the 
chia, the quinoa, the oatmeal, you know, every, like a whole wow. Bread. And also it's kind of like that Tom's shoes model for everyone you buy. <laughs> Donate one. Really? Yeah. So that's um, amazing. That product What's is the called product called? Soulful, which is a really cute Soulful. name. Um, yeah. Meal. Um, but yeah, they have everything from like bigger bags to individual packs for like more on the go. Also for your community, great for dorm room. I would say the individual packs because you can add water and it's like better than easy Mac, right? If you're going to microwave it. In your dorm room. <laughs> yeah. Obviously partial to Hella, which is our in-house product. It's a vegan paleo Ooh. version of Nutella. It only has three ingredients, cacao, hazelnut, and a little wow. sugar. You know, I can't not make products. Oh my. You know, coming from. Yeah. It sounds hella good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Hella's amazing. Um, Hella goes very much in and out of stock because we do um, product drops mm. you know, like seasonally with, with Hella. So I think um, we're not currently in stock, but we have a wait list. So if you visit the page, you can add the wait list and then you'll get the email when we're back. So definitely recommend Hella. Let's see what's new. I mean, I think I mentioned earlier the truffle hot sauce. Um, there is a truffle hot sauce a on truffle the market hot sauce? That's out there that people know the brand name of, but it's not clean label and I won't name names, but it's Ooh. not. <laughs> There's a lot of fillers, sugars, all that, but we have a truffle hot sauce on bubble called truffle hound um, made by this brand called seed ranch organics and seed ranch comes out with like crazy. They have like a umami powder with like porcini mushrooms. It's like vegan umami powder. They do crazy, amazing things, but highly recommend their new truffle hot sauce that just hit bubble like last week. Great on, you know, pizza, like every college student go to. My pantry next year, my fridge and freezer, <laughs> just all bubble next year. <laughs> exactly. Um, we actually have these kid pouches called Brainiac. So we also sell some great Ooh. snacks that are for kids. Um, and you know, like everyone's seen those like little applesauce packets and things, but they're doing yeah. brain health, which is really unique. So they're getting in, like, I love a product that kind of has a lot of bang for its buck. Um, so these sachets yeah. have, um, things that are good for brain health, like choline, good omegas, you know, things like that, which are great. So, and for all ages, honestly. They're and the packaging is so cute. I'm like always on the go. So I've actually bought them for myself. Yeah. <laughs> um no that's great I, I love like, they're, for kids. they're for adults yeah I love it it's like not the most eco-friendly package thing we also have a really cute brand also in the oatmeal family but um it's cauliflower oatmeal and I was really skeptical when this product came what? in bubble because I was like oh it's gonna taste like cauliflower I don't want to eat this in the morning but it's actually started by college students the brand is called Brassi B-R-A-S-S-I um and they have a couple flavors they have a cacao coconut and then they also have like an apple spice and it's cauliflower oatmeal also bang for your buck in terms of ingredients in but they have a really great story the product was started in their dorm room so very fitting um and also great for dorm room amazing microwave you can microwave it yes um definitely recommend right now yeah okay so now you've made me super hungry at midnight (laughs) thank you for that I appreciate it (laughs) of course Uh, yeah so just as we begin to wrap up, we'd love to ask you a couple questions we'd like to ask all our guests. And the first one being, what is something that you love about yourself today? Ooh, um, I just love being okay, kind of with who I am and what I've done. I feel like a lot of my 20s, I was really unsure. And I think that's a kind of quintessential question in your younger 20s. You know, your parents, your parents' friends are always asking like, 
what are you doing? What's your five-year plan? All these questions. And you're not even sure yourself. And so you kind of like just spew out whatever information and it doesn't maybe even sound good to you. And you're like, oh, it's kind of this gut-wrenching, I'm not sure kind of feeling, but I don't have that really anymore. I'm kind of like, this is what I'm doing. I feel good. I'm working on a career that I've, you know, built my entire life around is like bettering food systems and our food supply. And I'm really happy about that and getting to this place, um, which was, you know, not always clear even to myself. And this kind of idea of like being attached to not what I think is best for me, but what the universe kind of, this is going to sound woo woo, but like what the universe has in store for me, not like I'm attached to, I need to be doing this. And also like it leaves a lot of room for fear of failure. And so just like not being afraid to fail and like, okay with where things are going to lead me. Um, Not necessarily whatever plan I've, you know, laid out in my own head. That's, I think, one of the most beautiful answers we've had to that question in a long time. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, being okay with where you are. I love it. Um, what is something that you are grateful for today? Um, grateful. I have two pandemic puppies that oh. entered my life. I'm like, really grateful for them. They've kept me company through the pandemic. And I've always wanted dogs. And so now kind of having my own. I have allergies and I never was in really one place at one time <laughs> and all over. And it was like, how am I ever going to get a dog? But spaghetti and meatball, my two no. little Italian greens. Oh yes. I mean, food, come on. You, oh you know gosh. that they're going to be sustained after food. Of course, um, of course. <laughs> are uh, amazing <laughs> and non-allergic and, you know, are um, such a blessing and also like get me away from my computer, which I can easily sit at for hours on end. So having to like yeah. walk the dog and they're like begging you to go outside is like really healthy mentally. So really grateful for them uh, in this past year. I love that so much. Amazing. I have a little poodle back home and I miss her so much. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, is she in yeah. sport? She's in Hong Kong right now, but she's, um, me and my okay. sister pampered her a lot when we were like in school during the pandemic. Um, and now she's like home alone with my parents and all she wants to do is like cuddle 24 <laughs> seven. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can relate. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just to end off, we'd love to ask you, what does being an entrepreneur mean to you? Oh, um, what does being an entrepreneur? I mean, definitely like you need to not be afraid to take some risk, you know, because you're starting something that doesn't exist essentially, like whether it's a business, I mean, you're starting everything from scratch. So it, it, by nature, it's risky. So you need to be okay with that. You need to be okay with like constant change, which some people just aren't and that's okay, but you really need to be, if you're going to do that and know that upfront. Um, and then you need to be a good, a good leader. And that's something I've had to learn more about because I don't come from a corporate background. So, um, being a good leader, setting structure, having like ACE communications. I've also worked at some startups that didn't have those in place that I was always looking for as a younger person. Like, what is the plan? And if the plan changes, I'm okay with that, but I need to at least know what the new plan is. Um, and so doing that for, our team at Bubble is something I do. I push everyone on the team to do is like overly communicate. Let's stick to a plan. Even if that plan changes, we all need to know so what true. that is at a high level for what we're doing at Bubble and then within yeah. each team um, and being very clear about that. 
Well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. We absolutely love you and Bubble. Um, <laughs> for our audience yes. who want to find out more about you or more about Bubble, where can they find you? Yeah, we're everywhere. We're on TikTok. We're on Insta. We love LinkedIn updates. So if you're looking for you know internships or job opportunities, we have a lot coming up. So we're at Bubble Goods uh, on LinkedIn. It's just Bubble. And then me personally, I'm on Insta uh, at Jess Young Food. Spaghetti and Meatball are on Insta at Spaghetti and my Meatball Pups. Um, yes, we're all yes. Around. Plug the dogs. <laughs> we're all around. Amazing. Thank you so much. This is such a pleasure to have you on. And now I'm going to go have a delicious snack that won't be as good as uh, Bubble, but hopefully one day I'll get to try it when I get back to the continental USA. Yeah. <laughs> or you'll like go international. I guess that's my last question. When are you coming to China? <laughs> How long are you going to be there for? <laughs> I've been here my whole life, so maybe a little longer. Yeah, give us a couple of years. We, we have something okay. to do with the US. That wraps it up for today's podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you learned a lot about Jessica and how her experience established Bubble, an innovative digital health food marketplace. Great thanks to Bailey Cherry and Stephanie Lee as our podcast producers too. Check out our past episodes and look out for our upcoming episodes featuring inspiring female entrepreneurs through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to this podcast now. Stay updated and involved. Join the Entrepreneurs Podcast community on our Instagram and LinkedIn and get in touch with us to share your very own entrepreneurial journey.